Church Podcast. Let's go. What's up, everybody? This is Nate Felko here, your host of the Not Church Podcast. I am so excited that you are back or you're joining us for the first time. I am so excited and so passionate about today's conversation. If you are new to Not Church or you forgot since the last time you were listening, Not Church is a podcast, is a community brought to you by Sojourn at Rick. And really what Sojourn does and really the goal of this podcast as well is that our goal is to start or spark some conversations, some thoughts around things that matter, things in life, faith, just deeper life things. And so really the goal of this is to just get the conversation going. And so that doesn't mean that I'm a genius, doesn't mean I have all the answers or that you should even necessarily follow everything I say, but it is to introduce the conversation and for us to kind of have that together. And so if you're a student at Rick, I just want to give you a shout out and say that we do all kinds of fun things. And so you should totally check it out. Things like we play volleyball to pumpkin painting since it's fall. That'll be coming up soon. Um, we'll have a big Halloween party, Thanksgiving dinner. Like There's just so many fun things that we do and you should totally check it out. If you're not a student at Rick, you should transfer. If you're not in college, thanks for listening. Okay, I got nothing else for you, <laughs> but I'm so excited about today's topic. We're going to get to that in a second, but I want to share with you guys kind of um, just a couple of funny stories that have happened in my life recently. One of those is, you know how like sometimes you go to Target or Walmart or somewhere and you go in for one thing, but then you end up just buying a ton of stuff and then sometimes hopefully you leave with the one thing that, that you meant to be there to buy, but it even if you did you also have like 20 other things well i had my first like i don't know experience doing that except it was really expensive because i just went to a furniture store to buy just a bed a new bed and i left and we bought a bed a kitchen table chairs um a big cabinet thing um another table and 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 ultimately our bed as well but I was just going around the furniture store like, yeah, we need this, we need that, we need this, we need that. And um, that may or may not be something I regret later, but I, I just, I've never had that experience before. And then the one time that I do it, it's, um, it's something expensive like furniture. So luckily I had my wife with me and she just stopped me on buying a ton of things because if it wasn't for her, I would have left with, I wanted to buy a bar. I don't know where I'd put that in my house, but I was just like, why not? And this on a bar. Um all kinds of things. She was just like, no, we can't buy that. No, we can't. So anyway, luckily I had somebody, uh, at least tempering me a little cause it could have been a lot worse. Um, <laughs> so I envy the people that do that at target cause that has to be at least a lot cheaper than, than the way I did it. But I think I've just been saving it all up for this one moment. And that's, that's my excuse. I'm going to give myself is I've been all the times I've said, no, I saved it up for this moment. So there we go. Yeah, so you can tell that I lead a super exciting life because the most exciting thing I got going on right now is that I bought furniture. So hopefully your life is more exciting. I said that I had a cool story, but I don't know how cool that really is. It's just uh, just me buying furniture. But I will tell you what's cool is that our conversation topic today, because I want to talk about relationships, um, specifically in the context of last week we started talking about the problem in the world and how there's brokenness and pain that exists. And 
oftentimes, I mean, really the root area where these happen is in relationships, not just dating, but definitely dating, but our relationships with friends, with family, coworkers, peers, just all kinds of relationships. Like really the world, if you think about it, is just built on that term relationship. Like we all have a relationship with tons of people. And so oftentimes, so because that we have these relationships, like that is the source of the pain and hurt a lot of times in, in life and in the world. And so when I want to look at a solution, like we're going to talk some about Jesus, but I think most of us have heard the story of Jesus, how he came as a baby, that's Christmas, and then how uh, he didn't live for a long time, about 30 years and did all these cool things. Some of us doubt that. That's cool. But he did these things and then he died and then came back to life. That's Easter. Woo. Yeah, cool. But like, what impact does that actually have in our life? Like, I think that can be the struggle. They're like, cool. That story's inspiring maybe, or I'm not even sure if it's true. Cause how can somebody die and come back to life? Like, I think we have those questions, but we all know the story. But one of the angles that I want to look at this is how that story can impact our life today. How something 2000 years ago, can impact our life today because I often think that that is the tension with this is that yeah cool faith Jesus religion all that stuff whatever it's kind of boring anyway but regardless of if it's boring or not how does that impact my life today and so so I want to look at that because especially with the relationships because I think it has the potential to make our relationships so much more full so much more freeing and enjoyment so much joy because oftentimes Relationships can be the cause of a lot of tension, stress, anxiety, and and just the more, the closer that somebody is with us, you think about dating, like the closer that somebody is to you, then the more potential there is for pain and hurt and tension and problems. And so I just really, really believe that, that Jesus provides a solution to some of these things. And so maybe you don't, and that's totally cool, but I would encourage you to at least consider this think about it and um, and at least give it a shot because I'm hoping at the end of these next couple of weeks you'll kind of see how maybe Jesus can, can impact your life. I think that'd be really cool. So one of the things that we need to understand about Jesus that's really important is that he had this group of friends. We call them the disciples because uh, we, we can't just say friends, but these were people, the reason the term disciple is because these are people that were like following him for three years or so and they just, everything they did, they were like, we're going to defer to however Jesus would handle this. This is how we're going to try to learn to handle life the way that he did. And so you have these people that he spent a lot of time with. Okay. So there he is. He spent a lot of time with them. And obviously you get close after three years. You, I mean, think about some of your best friends. You're super close with them. Well, Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that he's about to be arrested and about to be killed. And he gathers these disciples together you can find this in John 13, um, really through 17. There's a couple of chapters that talk about this. And he it's kind of this this pep rally speech of like, guys, I'm not going to be here much longer. And I, and I just want to refocus you on what's, what's to come, all right? And if you read it, it doesn't necessarily read like a real inspiring speech. As a matter of fact, throughout it, <laughs> the disciples are like, wait, we don't understand what's happening. Where are you going? Why can't we come with you? It's totally funny. I, we talked about it last week even. But it is, uh, it's just very interesting to read this. Well, in that speech, you can find this, but in that speech or that kind of conversation he's having this last night, he says something that is, that is to be the new marching orders. These are the new marching orders. 
for anybody that's going to follow him going forward. And he, and he wants to refocus his disciples, but really all of us back to like, this is the thing that's most important. And this is in John thirteen thirty four. if you want to fact check me, but he says, I want you to love others. Now we can hear that and be like, oh, that's nice and sweet. Like, you know, write a Taylor Swift song about that. But it, but he goes, it, it is not just love others. Okay. Like loving others is good, but but how do you love others? Do you love others like you do in TV shows, like in our songs and movies? How do you love others? Jesus says, I want you to love others as I have loved you. And the key part there is that second part. Because we can say that we love others, but how is it that we're actually loving them? Are we loving them the way they've loved us? Are we loving them the way that we want to be loved? Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways that you can love somebody. But Jesus says, I want you to love others as I have loved you. The disciples probably like you, like me, when you read that, go, cool, I don't know what that means, okay, like, they had some idea, probably, of how Jesus loved them, because he's been hanging out with them for three years, and caring for them, so, like, that's cool, but none of them fully grasped the weight of this until later, because later, Jesus would put on the biggest display of love that we have seen. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, or last week, that that you think about the fact that Jesus dying on the cross and coming back to life, that it changed the way that we see the cross. The cross was a almost the equivalent of electric chair, except that everybody in that culture would have seen somebody dying on a cross. Like it was this, this object of pain, suffering and hurt, and yet Jesus' display of love has changed it. You can't argue this. It has changed it to a symbol of hope and joy and peace like like hope for the future like i mean that that is just true jesus's display did that now what's so fascinating about that is that when that happened the disciples had a tangible thing to point to and reflect on that when jesus said i want you to love others as i have loved you they had an example of what that meant okay jesus went to the ultimate ends to show that he loved the world now, you can agree, disagree with that. That's totally cool. But like I said, we've all mostly heard that, but I want us to get us on the same page that Jesus, Jesus's marching orders for us for the rest of our life is that we should love others as he has loved us. So naturally, if you like to ask questions like I do, that goes, okay, well, how do you do that? Like, I mean, how did Jesus love us? How should we do that? And Part of what's really cool in the story of the Bible, and maybe nobody's ever told you this before, and maybe it's a reason you stopped going to church or stopped reading the Bible, or you have quite hard hard times like just reading it. But this guy Paul comes along, and the reason that Paul is so fascinating to read in letters that he wrote is that Paul's job was to to kill Christians. Okay, so if you ever think that you hate Christians or you know somebody that hates Christians, Paul was like another level. His goal was to just get rid of all of them, arrest them, throw them in jail, feed them lines, like get rid of all of them. Like it made him angry that this group of people existed. And then one day, literally overnight, he changes teams and and he goes from wanting to kill all Christians to he wants everybody to be following Jesus, like. And it is so fascinating to read this transformation that happened in his life. And I think it adds extreme value for us to explore what it is he had to say because what would possess a man to change radically like that? Like his life was set up for him and he had a purpose, a goal, and money to do it and then changed. Okay, what is it that he knows that we don't know? And it's so fascinating to read because... As he then goes and he starts like planting churches and doing all these things, he starts writing letters to people and saying, hey, 
here's some things that like I know. So he, the churches that he planted were primarily in non-Jewish locations. And so that there's this kind of conflict in culture that people who didn't grow up Jewish didn't understand a lot of these things. And so Paul kind of being the bridge between both the Greek world and the Jewish world, the Roman world and the Jewish world, he, um, he wrote these letters and helped teach and talk to people and like kind of bring all this together. And so part of the Bible is his letters. And so when you read them, part of what can be confusing, and like this is what I was saying, maybe nobody's told you this, is that anytime Paul kind of gave an instruction and said, hey, you should go do this, he, he ties it back to Jesus. That's why he says things like, it's just as Christ did, or in Christ, or through Christ. Like he's trying to tie everything back to Jesus. And what he's trying to tie it back to is this one command, love others as I have loved you. Because just like we're asking question, okay, love others as I have loved you, what does that mean? Paul's trying to tease that out and give us examples. And, and the examples he gave are for their culture. It obviously looks different for us sometimes in our culture, but it's still worth looking at because because the examples he gave can help us build on the examples of how we can do this. So what I want to look at for the next couple of minutes is one of the examples that, that Paul gives. And this is found in 1 Corinthians 13. If you've grown up around church, or if you've ever been to multiple weddings, like you, there's a solid chance that you've heard this because what Paul says in this is fascinating, and it's something that we love to quote at weddings and and just love to just to quote. But if you look up First Corinthians, what you'll see is that he starts off with this this analogy that like if you have all these talents, these skills, but don't have love, that that you're just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, if you have the gift of prophecy, like you're super smart, you have faith that can move mountains, but don't have love, you are nothing. Doesn't that sound a lot like what Jesus said, that nothing matters? The thing, the one thing that matters is that you need to love others as I have loved you. And so Paul starts off this letter in 1 Corinthians 13, like like trying to get that point across that you can have all these things. You can, you can just do all kinds of amazing things, but if you do not love as Christ has loved, then you are nothing. And that's strong. Okay. Like we, I think we would prefer things like, no, I, I can give to the poor or I can, um, I can work hard, but, but Paul's like, that's not what matters. What matters is that you love others as I have loved you. And then he starts this, and this is the famous part we've all probably heard. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I want us to look at those and look at those in the context of dating and relationships because I want you to see, like, just to refocus us, I want you to see how Jesus, like, this Jesus command, this Jesus trusting in him, being close to him, how it impacts and can impact our relationships. And and we're going to do it by looking at this example that Paul gives us. And so first off, starting with love is patient. That simply means love is not pushy, Okay. If somebody's pushing you, we know this, they're not loving you, okay? Love moves at somebody else's pace, okay? Now, that does not feel natural, okay? You know why that doesn't feel natural? 
because your pace feels natural. Okay. It's like if I were to go on a run with somebody that is a marathon runner and they have a nice steady pace and I, I can't keep up with them, it's not going to feel natural for them to go at my pace and slow down. Same wise, it's not going to feel natural for me to keep at their pace because what's natural is my pace and what's natural for them is their pace. But this is the thing. Love speeds up or slows down based off of the other person. You're going to hear me say this a lot. It defers. Love defers to other people. Now, the reason that, that love does that is not because that's what somebody else did for us. That's not. It's not because... Um, we've, we're perfect. Love does that because remember, this is what God through Christ did for you is that Jesus came and was patient with you. Therefore, Jesus wants you to be patient with others. Yeah, this is, <laughs> we're just on point one and it's already challenging. Like I'm already not liking it. I'm like, yeah, Nate, I just like to, you know, I don't like to do that. I mean, I, I like to just, you can accommodate to my pace. I don't want to accommodate to yours, okay? But but aren't you thankful that Jesus did not do that? And if you don't believe in Jesus, don't you want somebody that accommodates to your pace? Like, we all want that, but but we need to learn to be those people. Next, love is patient. Love is kind. Kindness, man. Uh, kind of sounds so mushy and emotional and ooey gooey to me. Like it just, it, I don't like it, but the best definition I heard is how kindness is love's response to weakness. That when somebody is weak, when somebody messes up, when somebody is not perfect, kindness is the thing that like fills that gap in and says, it's okay. I'm not going to give you a record of this. Like I'm, I'm going to respond with kindness instead of pointing out your weakness or, you know, piling it onto you. And, you know, just to apply this to dating, if you're starting to date somebody, you're you're in that talking stage, you know, you, you've matched on Tinder or something and you start hanging out, you know, they're on their best behavior. But as you get to know them and you start seeing them around other people, one of the things you need to pay attention to is what is their go-to response to other people's weakness? Because one day, whatever their go-to response to weakness is, is going to be their go-to response to your weakness. And so if somebody's go-to response is to to make fun of, to ridicule, that will be their response to you one day. Because right now they're on their best behavior. If their response is to pile it on, to be mean, one day that's going to be their response to you. If it's to ignore, like whatever it is, when they see weakness and how they respond, if they don't respond in kindness, one day they won't be responding kindly to you. Man, I as I'm even saying this, I'm like, man, I don't like this at all. Like, this is so, this is challenging for me because I'm not good at all of this. Like, I totally, with my wife, cannot respond kindly. Like, she can mess up, and I just immediately am like, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you know? Okay, true story. And this has happened twice, Um, just to show you that I'm not perfect. So, we we recently bought a house, which is cool and great, but... The garage, the whoever built the deck did not account for the garage. And so, like, to park in the garage, to park in one of the spots in the garage, you can't really get out. It is such a tight, like, it takes, like, yeah, you just pretty much get stuck. And so the day that we closed on the house, my wife told, told me, and I could have said, I don't think so, but I just went with it, told me that I should park in the garage. I did. I got my SUV stuck in there and whatever. Like, I didn't handle that well. 
but then more recently, as in this week, um, she parked her car in, which was smaller, and we thought it would fit because we moved the stairs, like whatever, we did all this stuff, and she got stuck, and and she popped a hole in her tire, and I was so frustrated. Like it was a point of weakness because she messed up, but I was so frustrated and I was so mad. And I didn't respond kindly. And the thing that's challenging and convicting for me as I'm talking about this is like it stressed her out. She was stressed out, but she did not respond to my frustration. Like she did not respond to it with, with getting frustrated with me for being frustrated. She didn't get mad at me. She didn't get annoyed. She was apologetic. She was kind and patient when I wasn't necessarily kind or patient. And literally as I'm recording this, I'm like, oh shit, I need to call her and apologize. Like, this is convicting and challenging for me because, you know, in my head I felt kind of justified because she's the one that messed up. But no, I I did, okay? She messed up, but I did not respond in kindness. And then she responded to my unkindness with kindness. Like, this is challenging. This cuts right to the core of relationships. And we're only on point two. It, It is so, so challenging. You go to the next one. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Those are all kind of put together, and and, and really what it is demonstrating is that love lets other people shine. That when the spotlight's on them, that we let them keep the spotlight. It's not threatened by success. As a matter of fact, not only is it not threatened by success, but love tries to put success or put the spotlight on other people. And say, hey, don't look at me, look at this person, look how cool they did. And if you ever notice that there's something in you that when somebody's getting praised, you need to get a dig in or you need to, you know, kind of say, yeah, they did that, but guess what I did? Like you're trying to one-up each other. That usually is coming from a place of insecurity within ourselves. It's not the other person's fault, okay? And and if somebody's doing that to you, it's worth noting if it's a cycle over and over again because love does not envy, it does not boast. And it is not proud. As a matter of fact, it, it is the opposite of those. It it lets other people shine. So consequently, we need to try to shine, make heroes out of other people. Instead of being the hero, be a hero maker. Ready? Here we go. Love does not dishonor. Whoo, man! This one is the one that gets me. That I get so so passionate. It says it does not dishonor others. Man, okay. I, I want everybody listening to, to really consider this, to consider the culture that we live in. And and I get a little nervous whenever I say this because I'm a, uh, I'm a dude. I've never been anything other than a man before, and so I don't completely know what it's like to be a female. But I have a lot of really amazing, strong women in my life. My wife is at the top of that list, like super strong, powerful, smart, dedicated supportive woman who's just i mean she blows me away with how smart and intelligent she is and um and just confidence like so cool i but i don't want to turn this love session into me uh just bragging on my wife but she's amazing my mom super strong smart has taught me so many things and then i work with some amazing women that are smart strong confident powerful like it is so cool but um Anyway, in all these conversations, having being surrounded, luckily, by so many amazing women, one of the things that I hear over and over again is how there's a super strong culture of 
that men are not the most honoring to women. Okay, that that men don't honor women, and and I want us to think about that first. If you're a guy, I want you to understand from my point of view and all the conversations I've had how unique and special you would be if you decided right now I'm going to never dishonor a woman ever again. I'm going to honor them. I'm going to treat them as if they were more valuable than me. Not because they are, but that's how I'm going to treat other people, all people, but especially in the context of dating, if you made that decision that in your dates that you're not going to dishonor the other person, you would be a unicorn in this culture and in this world because I constantly hear how that is not the norm. But (laughs) this is where I want to make my strongest point, and and I'm a little nervous to say it, but, but it's so true that if you, anybody, if you are in a relationship, but especially if you're a woman in a relationship with a man that is not honoring you, you need to get out. And I know that that when I say that, you're like, Nate, you don't understand how complicated it is. But this is the thing, is that love does not dishonor. And so if somebody is dishonoring you and it is a cycle over and over again of them not honoring you, what scares me is that one day you're going to feel like you're not worthy of honor. And this is the thing, you are. And I wanted to find that word honor, okay? Because honor is not a word that we use a lot. But as I said, it's treating somebody as if they were more valuable than you. Not because they are, but but you decide to treat them that way. Like, yes, we're all equal, but you decide to treat somebody as if they were worth more than you. That's honor. And this is the thing. Anybody in any relationship you're in should be being treated that way. And if you're not being treated, and it is a cycle over and over again, you need to get out. You need to get out because you are worthy of honor. And the reason that I know you are, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you believe, the reason that I know you are is that that the value of something is based on the price that it will bring, okay? The value of an iPhone 11 is worth more and will bring more than the value of an iPhone 6, okay? By the way, if you have an iPhone 6, they're going to stop supporting those soon, so... Little shout out to Apple if they ever want to sponsor this podcast. But point is, the value of something is is determined by the price that it will bring. Okay, and this is the thing: you were bought with a price. Okay, you may not be sure what you believe about God or Jesus and all that, and that's fine. But I am telling you, you were bought and paid for with a huge price. Jesus put on a huge de- demonstration of His love for you to show your value. Okay. You are valuable. Regardless of what you believe, you are valuable. And so if you are being treated by somebody consistently as less than and dishonoring, get out of that relationship. Get out. I know it's hard. I know it's messy. I know that it, I I know. Find some friends that will support you and get out of that relationship. If you're friends with somebody that is, is in a bad relationship where they're being dishonored, okay, I know it's hard to say say this, okay? I'm like terrified saying this into a microphone, okay? But if you're friends with somebody and you see them constantly being devalued, dishonored, find some friends and, and communicate how much you love and care for them and say, listen, friend, girl, homie, whoever, listen, you are worth more than this. You are valuable. You are worthy of honor. If somebody's not treating you with honor, they don't deserve you. 
And, and, and I just don't want you to come to a place where at some point in your life you decide that, you know what, maybe this person is right. I'm not worthy of honor. I literally, before recording this, was talking to some friends that I just, in eight years of being on college campus, I have just seen this so much that it breaks my heart. This is a really, this is why I get passionate about this, is that this is the thing that breaks my heart almost more than anything. Is the thing that I talk to my wife about and that I that I tear up over because I continually see students stay in relationships where they are being devalued, um, and I see I see students making decisions that is hurting their relationship, hurting future relationships, and hurting others. Maybe it's consensual. Maybe both people are agreeing to hurt each other, but they're still hurting each other. And I describe it like it's like watching a car wreck or a train wreck in slow motion. That's how I feel seeing these relationships sometimes. And the thing that breaks my heart is that I know and I can see that you are valuable and worthy of honor. And I just want you to be treated that way because because it's true. Okay, Love does not dishonor. If somebody is dishonoring you, they are not loving you. So... As I wrap up, I I know we only got halfway done. We'll we'll finish the second half next week. But this is the thing: is that right now I know that it's easy to think, okay, wait, weren't we talking about Jesus and how Jesus fixes things and it's a solution? And now, like, you just got super passionate about dating and all that. Like, I, like I understand that this doesn't make sense, okay, completely. And you're also thinking, man, this sounds like a horrible date. What are we gonna do? Just sit around and be like, no, you talk, no, you talk, no, you talk, okay. I understand, but let me just try to tie a few things together and and give you some things to consider um, as we get out of here. The first is this, is that all of us, regardless of where you're at, okay, whether you're in a relationship, looking for a relationship, don't care, like anything, your friends, your family, dating, any relationship you're in, I bet that you want somebody that is patient. I bet you want a relationship that's marked by kindness relationship where people are not envied, do not boast, are not proud, and where it's categorized by honor. I bet that that is the type of boyfriend, girlfriend you want, spouse, you, future spouse that you want, friends that you want, family that you want. I bet that's what you want, right? But here's the thing. While you want that, if you decide to go around and say, okay, I want that, but at the same time, I'm not going to practice patience. I'm not going to practice kindness. I, I'm going to be envious, I'm going to boast, and I'm going to be proud, and I'm not going to honor other people. All the while, I want everybody else to do that for me, okay? How do you think that's going to go? How do you think it's going to go if you apply this to dating or a friendship? You say, you know what, I want somebody to honor me, but I'm not going to honor them. Well, here's the thing. If and when you do find somebody that wants to honor honor their their girlfriend, their boyfriend, Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> they are probably not going to put up with for very long that you don't honor them. Okay, and it'll be a short relationship. Or think about a friendship. If you're friends with somebody and, and they're dishonoring, you're not going to stick in that friendship. Okay, and it causes these tensions. And we all have examples of that where we've been only receiving in. But here's the thing. We all want this in other people, but none of us want to. We, there's something in us that resists us becoming this. And this is where Jesus enters the story. 
because following Jesus will help you grow in these areas. We'll help you grow in so many areas, but we'll help you grow in being able to be a patient, to be a kind person, um, to not be envious, and to honor others. Being with Jesus helps us learn how to do that and practice and apply it. And so I know these things all sound challenging, but they're all the things that we want in our in our relationships. They're all the things that we want in other people. Yet none of us fantasize about us becoming those people. Keep this with dating. None of us, when we were growing up thinking about dating, we were like, you know what? I can't wait to become a patient person. <laughs> That's not what our dreams are. Our dreams are made of the uh, like Disney stories. We're like, I can't wait till I find the perfect person. And they're just going to be so perfect that I don't have to be patient. And that's what we think of. We, we fantasize about finding somebody perfect and, and we don't have to do any work. But that's not the real life. We know that. We're smarter than that. We're all adults and we know that. But like I keep saying, following Jesus will help you become somebody. And that person that you become will be will attract other people that are like that and will just help you tremendously in your relationships. Following Jesus, staying close to him will help this because following Jesus lets us work on and fix the broken parts of our lives and our relationships. I want to close with this, um, bragging since I talked a lot about dating, bragging again on my wife because in a couple of weeks, my wife and I are going to be celebrating six years of being married and as I just think and reflect on this, I know that I'm a better person than I was six years ago. And the reason that I'm a better person is because, not because I'm great and because, you know, of anything that I've done, but, but being in a relationship, um, even friendships can do this, but the closer somebody is to you, the more that this happens. And so dating this happens, then when you're engaged, it happens. And then when you're married, it really happens. But being in relationships has a way of holding a mirror up to what you need to work on. And so in being married, I know, like, I see the things that I need to work on, like my patience, like my kindness, like my envy, and like my honor, okay? I see these things. But because I married well, meaning I married somebody who was committed not only to me, but committed to following Jesus and growing, because I married well, then there's a commitment that, that my wife is going to help me grow in those things, is going to help me, you know, be a better person and that let me, give me the space to work and grow on those things. Likewise, I try to do the same for her. And so consequently, six years later, I think back to six years ago, and there's so many things that, that I've grown out of and that I've gotten better at and matured and my wife has been there to help me. And I know that she would say the same thing because I've heard her say it. And it does not just come naturally. What comes naturally is doing whatever I want, putting myself first. That's what comes naturally for my wife too, putting herself first. But when we work together in, in, in conjunction with trying to follow Jesus, it has allowed us to grow not only as individuals but as a couple. And this is the thing. I'll say this. We're happily, like I'm loving life so much right now. Like like, And I know like there life has ups and downs and I know there's a lot of it that's outside of my control but part of the reason I'm loving life is that that we're growing together and this is the thing friends I want that for you I want that for your friendships for your dating relationships with your family 
with your any of your friends, your peers. I want that for you in your life. But relationships, as we know, are messy, are hard. There's tension, there's problems, there's pain. But as I keep saying, Jesus helps us grow in those and can provide healing and can help us become better people that will help our relationships be better. I know that we want to focus on what other people can do and like they need to fix their problems, they need to be better, then I wouldn't have to be patient. I know that's how we think. But this is the thing. You grow in your patience, okay, it will make your relationships better. You grow in your kindness, your honor, your bragging on others, it will help your relationships with other people. And Jesus, sticking with him, can help that. So... As we've been saying throughout this, I would love to encourage you to consider these things. Think about it. You can uh, say that I'm an idiot. You can say that my dating applications are horrible and that does sound like a horrible date. I'd love to hear comments from you. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook. You can check the links out. Um, They'll be in the description. And like I said at the beginning, if you are a student at Rick, we'd love to see you. So check us out and we'd love to see you at one of our weekly events. Um, but for real, think about these things about relationships, not just dating, but friendships, uh, any type of relationship you have and, and really consider like uh, the question I've been asking throughout this is what is your faith anchored to? Because I, I want you to at least consider, even if you've walked away, you're thinking about walking away or you're just like, nah, I'm gone. I want you to consider anchoring your faith to Jesus because he is the one that, that really, um, holds us together, and, and, and is, he's the one that helps us grow in this. I also want to end with this note that, like, I uh, a lot of this are, is some things that I've been thinking about a lot, but um, there's an, a really amazing pastor that, like, he teaches on this, and, and like, I've definitely borrowed a lot of the stuff he said. Um, I'll include his link in the description as well because you should totally, if this, like, piqued your interest, um, you should listen to his series because he dedicated more time to talking about it than we have, and uh, and it's just really good. And so a lot of this wasn't original with me. A lot of it started with Jesus and then Paul, but uh, but even expanding on it, um, this pastor did a really good job of that. So if anything I said really made you curious and interested, I'll link the other podcast as well in the description, so you should totally check it out. But with all that, please remember your homework. Think about what your faith is anchored to. But most importantly, stay awesome. Peace.